All right, another episode of Conversations with Cheese in the Tugboat. Um, that's going to come in really loud, I think, but there's no cheese this time, folks. It's uh, time for our annual discussion about the Leafs with Tugboat and Admiral Bonesaw. So we have the Admiral on the line coming in mobily from somewhere east of the Big Smoke. Good day, Admiral. Hope the uh, the conditions on the road are as good as they are when I look out my window. Yeah, spectacular driving conditions. You'll probably make great time, probably as if you were driving 130 or something out outrageous. Uh, locked in at 125, cruise control. Which is way faster than you should be. But that's your prerogative, I suppose. Anyways... So we will, uh, I, I'll do a, a pretty quick recap here of our, our previous two sessions. So every year, the Admiral and I, as I'm sure everyone has listened to more than once, um, have an episode dedicated to God's team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, we kind of give a State of the Union type of thing uh, with our opinions and uh, it is very highly opinionated, of course, as everything on Conversations is, with probably the most research done um, just by happenstance than any other episode we do annually. So we started off in episode 21 talking about how terrible they were, who they needed to fire, all the bad contracts, and between the Admiral and I, we, it turns out, correctly worked out a strategy to get rid of some of the garbage that they had piling up in their system um and a lot of what we predicted came true so you're not not listening to two dummies here not that you normally would be but anyways uh and then in our second episode um episode 31 i would say that maybe the admiral won the debate from the first episode and they did blow up the team full restructure, the Shanna plan was put into place, and we discussed the merits of it, and what had gone wrong, and uh, and overall just reviewed what had happened based on our previous episode, followed by what was happening at the time. So it was, that episode happened right after the Kessel trade, and we talked about the Kessel era, discussed potential lineups and how bad they might be, which they turned out to be kind of bad at that time um quite bad in fact but uh it's a new year a new hope just like the star wars episode uh everyone is excited it's uh dare i say potential to be a playoff team knock on wood that's the knocking sound so the admiral and i do want to talk about some recent developments and, and get right into it here so I'll, I'll pose the question to you admiral should the Leafs have acquired Brian Boyle, and because of that acquisition, does that does that say anything to you about the direction of the team? Um, it definitely says that they're not that they're abandoning the rebuild, but that they're uh, they're going for something this year. And I think that making the playoffs is that big first goal that they're trying to achieve. I don't know if they would have done it if they were in well out of a playoff spot. They didn't. They didn't give up that much for him. I think it was a second-round pick and Byron Braves. And they have an abundance of second-round picks, or they did, for not a fantastic 
they needed a fourth line center. They needed somebody who could win face-offs. And he's got playoff experience, so I don't, I didn't hate the move. So, I mean, I don't know if it signals anything longer term. I don't think they're going to abandon, like, I don't think it means they're going to start signing free agents that at will like they used to, but I guess we'll have to see. And in possibly internet destroying consequences, I'm going to agree with you on that. I think that just exactly what you said, penalty kill, face-offs, um, another big body. I think he really ignited that fourth line, uh, you know, with Martin and Soshnikov. They didn't yeah. seem to quite click with the kind of the carousel of fourth line centers that they'd been rotating through, and it, and it looks like Brian Boyle's the guy. He's got enough speed uh, at age 32 that he kind of he makes that that line move. So it, it gives there them a. There was a gaping hole, and they tried Freddie Gauthier. They tried Ben Smith. Ben Smith was only on the team because he was sort of okay at faceoff. Yeah, and that couldn't gauge or provide any kind of offense or anything beyond the faceoff circle. So now yeah. at least they've got a little. And if, and then, uh, I would say they also had uh, Eric Fair as a backup for that position, and uh, and they had Seth Griffin, th- and then didn't have him, and then they had him again and tried him in that slot, and he also didn't seem to, as much as it chagrins me to say, didn't quite fit. So he's a, he a winger, Seth Griffin. Uh, he plays anyway. he plays both, but he's generally a right winger. Yeah. Yeah. He got displaced uh, when Soshnikov came back from injury. What's that? You got a little bit robot voiced right there. I I think he's on the third line. I didn't watch. I I only listened to the game last night. I didn't watch it with my eyes, only with my ears. Did we lose the Admiral? Certainly sounded like we were. Yeah. Okay, you're back. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Um, Okay. I I guess another question. So, you know, we said it doesn't necessarily signal that they've abandoned the rebuild. Is it time to start moving away from it and starting to, you know, quote-unquote, go for it a little bit harder? Or is this just part of the plan? Everything's still going according to the Shanna plan. Um, I mean, if, if you mean by abandoning the rebuild, if you mean getting rid of draft picks and prospects, I don't think they should do that. I mean, a lot of people want to sign somebody like Kevin Shattenkirk or, you know, a prominent defenseman, which is kind of a hole that they have, but I don't know if they can afford to give up some of their young talent or young or, or uh, draft picks at this point. I think they should more or less stick to the plan. I think they will. I, I would be surprised if they start signing UFAs at this point, but I would hope that they'll keep going with what works. They've got a young core of forwards and a couple decent pieces on defense, but there's still more to the puzzle, I think. Here's a question for you. Would you re-sign Brian Boyle 
he's unrestricted free agent, uh, $2 million payday. Do you think he'll get more than that? I assume a little bit more, but would that be someone that you re-signed or hope that the GOAT can step in? Um, I would like to see him re-sign. I don't know if it will happen. He'll definitely want more than $2 million. I think Centerman are a premium. Face-offs are worth a lot. Yeah, For they... some reason, co- co- coaches love face-off guys. So, I would like to see him stay, but I think he's been a good fit on that fourth line. Yeah, I think he, fit, just... he fits the Babcock system, too, it seems. So, you know, you pay a little bit extra for someone that already works. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I would like to see him re-sign. I think he's been a good, a good addition to that, to that group. But I don't... I heard rumors that he'd want to go back to Tampa, but I don't think they'd have the cap room to, to make that work. So... They also have a lot of young centermen as they've exhibited with their top two out and going on this recent run of wins. Yeah. Oh, and they, yeah, Tampa, I mean, they shed a lot of salary and they, after they did that, they went on a big tear, big playoff push. Yeah, the opposite they, of what they, you'd expect. They still need to resign, I think, in the next coming season, Tyler Johnson and, uh, Palak guys like that so they're going to be up against the cap pretty hard yeah so I don't see them re-signing Boyle Boyle will probably want 32 so they'll probably want like at least a four year deal well you never know two year deals seem to be the flavor of the of the weeks that might be uh, all he can get his hands on but I guess time will tell depends what if they give him a higher average annual salary then he might sign shorter term but then you'd be looking at me like four or five million dollars it's crazy for a fourth liner yeah which is terrifying but anyways we've spent enough time on Brian Boyle probably let's talk about another premium center on the team is this Matthews kid as good as they say is, is he the second yeah. coming of Sundin like I've hoped yeah he's awesome he's already got yeah, I would actually be surprised if he did not get 40 goals this year. And, and yeah, he seems to be... He went on a little bit of a slump there recently, but as the games have gotten more important, scoring huge, timely goals, and kind of taking the team on his back, which is like captain material. So Yeah. That's, that's the one worry that I had with him coming in, and I'm not going to say it's because he was American. It's just he seemed to be quiet and didn't show emotion. I was worried that he would have that kind of heart necessary and seeing his reaction in the outdoor game and then even the the highlights and the bits I watched from last night how how into it he was that that makes me feel a lot better Yeah, he's I mean, he's a big centerman he's going to be good at face off eventually he can skate, he's got great hands he can score full, which is really hard to do in that league. So, I think they've, there's some people who wonder if they should draft his line A, but I need a big centerman to win. Yeah, I never wondered that. I was a Matthews guy all the way. Uh, you need that first line center as a very rare commodity. 
especially at his age. Cornerstone. So on on the subject of Matthews, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of questioning over the past two weeks of his line mates and should Zach Hyman be on his line, a guy that has been with him from the start. They have some pretty obvious chemistry, but Hyman is not a high end scorer. He's not a he's not flashy. He's a, he's a worker bee. So should a guy like that be on the line with Matthews? And I mean. It's, I don't know how they question it with 40 goals going in almost, but what are your thoughts? Um, I think as for the time being, he's a good, a good fit on that line. Babcock doesn't like to shuffle the deck for no reason. I think the, big, the key to that line is getting Nylander back up with, those, like back up with Matthews. That, that seems to really spark him. He's been on a tear recently as well. And yeah. it's not impressive for a young man. There's not many other players on the team, let alone in the wing, that age that can go into the corner and come out with the puck and f- feed it to those skilled players. That's really his role is he goes into the, the hard areas, and that way those guys don't have to. So he's kind of like the the Lucic idea for McDavid, or if you want to go back to, you know, Semenko and Wayne and, and pairings like that where you have kind of a, you know, I wouldn't call him a cement head, obviously, but a, like that worker B type of player that is all effort more than he is skill that gets these guys going. Yeah, it's his job to go to the corners, get the puck, go in front of the net, go into the difficult spaces, and make it easier for Matthews and Nylander. But I really like the play of Nylander on that line, too. I just, just that line, and then the uh, Olga, Marner, and Ben uh, Reeves like line. They've got a pretty good one-two punch, and then Kadri's got three goals. So they've got pretty balanced yeah, and like I said, like we said earlier, with that fourth line coming on and spending a lot of shifts in the other team's end, you know, all of a sudden you can roll four lines for the first couple of periods. It's it's the right direction yeah, for sure. Yeah, you need a you need to have four lines that can skate. As long as they can skate, sort of not look terrible. Like gone are the days of Fraser McLaren and Colton where you could not survive with the line no. up with guys like that in it. No, the bangers are, are done. Too fat. So, 
so they've got we're, we're talking about them having four lines now so you know what are what are some of the pieces they have or they're missing so they they have the coaching it seems like babcock seems to be uh pretty fantastic at his job at all the levels um this year the goaltending seems to have sorted itself out to some degree with some little you know little dips but overall it's been phenomenal from both uh both their goaltenders that they have currently there we you talked about a nice core a stable of young horses up front um that they're building around they have a couple of young defensemen who seem like they're going to be mainstays for a long time three or four of them maybe um so what are they what are they missing what's keeping them from being up in the the top tier of the league I mean, I think a lot of people would say defensemen. And you've got Roman Polak and Martin Marincin and guys like that. They're, they still hold, but they're not, they're not going to kind of take it to the next level. They're stopgap kind of guys until they develop or draft or acquire just a better crop of, of young defensemen. They do have, like, I mean, Morgan Riley continues to develop, and I think he's a guy they'll hold on to long term. Uh, Connor Carrick has really come around this year. Zaitsev has done really well, and they'll probably, they're going to have to pay him. I don't know if his contract is up this year or next, but either way, he's going to need a big raise. Um, I don't, they've got a couple guys on the Marlies that could potentially step in next year, but they're not going to be kind of game breakers necessarily so that is one area I'd like to see them improve and then the other one I just call a question mark would be their backup goaltending situation McElhaney needs to do better when he starts the game he hasn't been fantastic when he comes in and release a couple times that he's had to like last Saturday when they played Buffalo Yeah, but I would like to see bit of an upgrade there and we'll see what happens with the development of Garrett Sparks or Bebo hasn't been fantastic this year either been sort of inconsistent yeah. so those are kind of the, the areas I'd like to see improvement yeah I would agree with that um, I, I, I've got some of that coming up in, another, in the next couple of questions to reflect on that and some of those names are going to come up again but um what do you what do you think the big problems are looming on the horizon? Like, what are things that are going to become issues? So, you know, in terms of drafting, their strategy has been throw as much at the wall as possible. So, have as many picks as they can and hope that they get some champions out of that. They haven't blown too many. I think the, one of the last crappy ones was maybe Goche, but that was a different regime. So, you know, do do they have concerns with? With the drafting, what do you think about their record over the last two years? Pretty soft. It's pretty hard not to, to like what they've done just based on the, the topic rookies that they're putting forth this year. I mean, Nylander, for example, guys like Don Cherry wanted them to draft um, was it Nick Ritchie or one of the Ritchie brothers. Um, I, I think I would take Nylander at this point. <laughs> He's hovering around 60 points. Yep. Had that big point streak this year. Tore off the AHL last year. He won Rookie of the Month last month. Yeah, I think that's his second Rookie of the Month this season. Yeah, pretty good, so, I guess. Yeah, 
hard to say with some of the defenses they've drafted recently because they just tend to take a bit longer to develop. They need a little bit more seasoning in the NHL. So we'll have to see kind of what happens there. Uh, they Recently they've just drafted the best player available. I'd almost like to see them kind of skew towards defensemen, but you can get into a bit of trouble to do that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know yeah. if it's better just to draft Unless, unless it's like a top, top five or even top ten pick, getting a defenseman is, and that can still be risky too. But I see, I see your concerns there, and and I guess the next question would be, you know, with all these rookies coming into the system and looking fantastic, what about the cap? Um, I mean, all, a lot of those yeah. guys are nineteen and twenty. There is a bit of spread, like some of the guys are. 23-24, but you know, there is potential for cap issues down the road, and I know Lou Lamorello is pretty fantastic at those kinds of things, but do you think that could be an yeah. issue going forward? Well, yeah, it's something that they have to concern themselves with. Um, they, you know, you're going to have Carter and Matthews and probably Nylander all around the same time coming off their entry-level contract. Our, uh, Matthews is going to be the big one. He's going to, and it'll sort of depend on how his next two years go, I suppose. But I don't think he's going to. He's still he's going to command a big, big number. But whether you sign him to an eight-year deal, uh, you know, we're probably looking close to ten million dollars per season, anywhere between. Yeah, unless he somehow somewhere in that range. Unless he turns terrible magically in the next couple of years, but it looks like Marner and Kapanen and Matthews all have the same date at the dance, whereas Nylander's a year sooner. Yeah, I think he played enough game well, last year, the year before, to kind of burn the year off his entry level field. So, yep. kind of tough, but at least it staggers slightly some of the guys that they have to re sign all at once. They did sign. Um, Audrey and Riley, a pretty sweet, like, six year deal around, what, four, four and a half million per. Um, pretty fantastic. Yeah, for some reason, I'm not seeing Kadri on. Oh, here he is up. Yeah, he's four and a half. Finn Reemsdijk and Bozak each have, they're around 4.2 ish, um, with a couple of years left. And then Gardner has three at four million and. Riley's at five even for quite some time. I think Van Riemsdijk finished next year, his last season, 2017-18. Yeah, and then he's a UFA, 18-19. So they look for them to, I don't know if they'll try to re-sign him or move him for something. Maybe, maybe a young defenseman, but those are hard to come by. Look what it cost the Oilers to get Adam Larson. Yep. He's got... People don't. JVR has a modified no movement that where he can give a ten team no no go list. Okay. So I think well, I think you can still work with that, but you don't want to lose them for nothing. So yeah, I could. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded him to the off season, but he's got pretty. They probably get more value for him if they traded him this summer because he's got a year left at a pretty reasonable cap hit. 
be alright with that. I feel like he's, after the first couple of years where he did play a little bit physical, I think he started to turn into, like, Rick the Wild Thing Vaughn and start worrying about his long-term career and started to be super soft. Um, but it looks like he is throwing more hits and, and being a little more physical the last couple months. If that trend continued or heightened, I would say he it would be more likely that they would keep him just to have a physical goal-scoring like Eric Lindros light type of player. He's uh, he's a streaky player. He's good in front of the, like he's good in tight, kind of cleaning up rebounds and tipping and that kind of stuff. But yeah. he, he's on a good line right now, so yeah, but he looks good. His value is probably as high as it's gonna be. Yeah, if you cool. go into next season, then he becomes a rental player. The, the deeper you go, without him and they're resigning him. So. I think they should trade him this summer, but yeah, I wouldn't wait. I, I would definitely wouldn't wait until the trade deadline because then you're you could get hamstrung a little bit. It's kind of a gamble. So yeah, be interesting to see where he ends up. And then Bozak's in the same boat, but he's a little he's four years older, so that'd be an interesting one to see too. Yeah, he he might have inflated value because centerman can win big blocks, so. Maybe they just hold on to him and try and re-sign him for a modest grade or kind of keep him around the same amount. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think he would be looking at a, a decrease by the time his contract rolls around, but pretty much all their young players, Nylander, Hyman, Marner, um, even Komarov can all play center, so I, I would say they're starting to build a nice little stable of centermen. But um, I guess with all those young guys I just mentioned playing so well and probably exceeding expectations, do you think there could be any concern about performance bonuses kind of putting them a lot tighter to the cap than normally they would be? Uh, Probably well this year they're going to run into that. I don't know how much of a buffer they have in terms of cap space. It's not, it's not a I lot. Not be, I think Marner's already hit some of his, his performance bonuses. I think he had to be like something like 0.73 points per game. And even if he gets no more points for the rest of the season, he's going to hit that particular target. Matthews, I'm pretty sure, will get all of them, almost. Yeah. He very well could win the Calder. Um, it's sort of, it's the way, I think the way they set it up, there's Schedule A bonuses, which are kind of standard, and then Schedule B, where they kind of, like, there's a little bit of negotiation between the player and the team. So, I think there are most risk of Matthews hitting all of his bonuses and having to pay out him a yeah. large amount. I don't know how that works. It looks like his Schedule B is uh, $2 million, and everyone else is just kind of sitting at the standard for their, I don't know, whatever it is. But most of them are at 850000 and then Marner's, or uh, Matthews is $2 million more than that. So he could do all right here. Yeah. So I don't know that they're really going to be up against it. It's going to... It'll be interesting to see what they do with some of their uh, free agent defenses, like Rowan Polak, like they bring him back. Again, he just kind of filled the hole. It's not 
spectacular one way or another, but he can kill a few penalties. And, yeah, he's a he's a heart guy too. I that's that's my next question is talking about some of the veterans. So we touched on JVR, we touched on Bozak. Kadri is signed for a lot of years. I think they probably hang on to him for at least three, two or three more years. So Polak is the is the last one on the list, and yeah, I, I would personally I would re-sign him. Um, it seems to work. You don't really have anyone that's going to replace him right now. I mean, you have Marinchin and you have Marchenko, but they're kind of the I would say Marinchin could be a potential replacement, but he hasn't necessarily worked out just yet. It would depend on you know is he going to have a big camp or a big summer. Polak's got a little bit of playoff experience too, and and he does kill penalties. So I'd I'd be tempted to bring him back, um, depending on what he's asking. Which he gets paid two and a quarter right now. It seems a little bit steep for his role, but I guess yeah, he'd have to come back at a pay cut. I would think for yeah. I, if they did a one year deal with him for between one and two million, I'd be fine with that. But with their glaring lack of. Uh, depth at D. I mean, there's really only two guys on the Marlies right now that would be kind of considerations to make the team next year. They had three more guys that they just let go. Scott Harrington that they got from Pittsburgh, he's gone. Uh, Matt Finn, former Guelph Storm captain, he's gone. Victor Louvre, who was supposed to be their next big prospect, is no longer in the system. So they, I feel they're starting to get a little light Uh in the minors on D, so if you keep a guy like Polak around, it allows guys like Marinchin to, uh, although I'm pretty sure he's on the big league roster right now, but if you could get yeah. him into the minors and have him season a little bit more, that might be ideal, but... Oh, one, one guy I just remembered, he's not a defenseman, but Jeremy Bracco, I think they signed. Okay. So I don't know if we'll see him this season or if he'll be with the Marlies. I think he's well, there's, well, here's some more names that should make a run at making the team. So you have the Kirby Reichel, uh, you have Timoshov, and that Tobias Lindbergh that they swindled from the Senators. Those are three guys that I see could fill big roles on your bottom six. Or be that worker bee type of guy. I know the Leafs were super hot for Reichel for a couple of years before they got him. So those guys are all stewing on the uh, on the Marlies right now. I don't know what they're doing for points because I didn't bother to look it up. But um, those are guys that could have a pretty big impact going forward. Yeah. And then they've got um, Joseph Wall, the goaltender from Boston University or Boston or whatever. He was on the, the American World Junior team. Right. So he, I don't know where he's bought in. If he played in university one more year, if he tries out for the Marlies or the East Coast League team, but he's another guy. He's probably a few years away from making, making a run and making a team. But By the way, Bracco is actually a right winger. They have a lot of right wingers, like a lot of them. But he's he's gonna be a pretty solid player. Yeah, then they have 
they have some guys that are just buried. What do you do with guys like Brooks Lake and Milan McCulloch and Colin Greening? I mean, they're all UFAs after this year, but do you try and sign them for really low dollars and keep them in the minors to help these guys develop, or do you no, just... they'll let their contracts run yeah, out. That's kind of what it's I figured. It's funny they can pay guys like that just to not play for them. Like, Joshua Lupul and yeah. Stefan Robida and Nathan Horton. So, Robida has been on long-term injury since 2000, October 5th, 2015, for a groin injury, which he, he will probably never return from. Um, Lupul had his sports hernia last February, February 8th. Um, he has he gets paid this year and next year, and then he'll be done. And then the most stunning is uh, Nathan Horton's back. He gets paid all the way to 1920, $5.3 a year. So they, they have a combined... Seventeen and a half million dollars between those three guys just pissing away. Yeah, and I don't know if they're still paying some of Bill Kessel's contract. Yeah, they they actually pay one point two million dollars on Fessel on Phil Kessel's contract until the end of twenty one twenty two, which is fantastic. And I don't know if they're still paying uh, Tim Gleason. Uh, this is the last, him. or they pay him. Again, next year, he gets $1.3 million this year and next year. And then Jared Cowan gets another three-quarters of a million next year. And he got, I don't know, it says negative 650000 Maybe he had to pay them, but more likely he got 650000 And then he gets another... That was cap, cap relief, I think. So then he counts them. I don't know why, but it's a weird rule. And I think he'll be back on their cap for next year. Yeah, I feel like they just hated him for some reason. Like they, they got him to make the deal go, but never had any hopes of him playing. Which, you know, we talked about it on the previous call about a reclamation project there, but it doesn't look like they have any interest in. Uh, he was just. Well, they they agreed to take all the senators' cast off. Yeah. Just so they would take for us. <laughs> That seems to have worked out pretty well for both teams somehow. Yeah. I think they're happy with what else right now. We'll see how he is in like three years. But at seven million per. Yeah. That's steep. It's a steep, steep uh, price to pay for what he's bringing. Yeah. They still have that Colin Greedy. He's in the Marley Yeah, he's done. So. All three of those duds. Brooks Lake actually played a nice role last year and had some influence on younger players. He'll be done after this year. McCulloch will be done. And Greening, they're gone. So that's... Yeah, uh, not that bad, really. Yeah, $8.3 million between those three guys, but that's all buried in the minors. Well, they can afford to do it. Not many teams can so that means, have that uh, financial complaint. Between the the long term injury reserved and the buried, it's over twenty million dollars that are just just gone. So all those hundred dollar tickets that you pay for per game, that's where it goes is to bury past mistakes. Like One uh, guy, like I Clarkson. Kind of back for Joffrey Lupul. He just kinda of showed up to camp and they said, uh 
You're, you can't play. You're, in, you're injured. You don't pass your physical. So. Yeah. You're injured now, Craigie. You don't get to play anymore. Pretty much. <laughs> what happened there? Yeah. I don't, uh, and you don't hear much from him or about him. He's just kind of weirdly in, in exile. Yeah, but his, his favorite part about the last couple of years was just being a Toronto Maple Leaf and the the amount of celebrity that that afforded him, like being a name and a known face, walking around the smoke in other cities. So I think he's he's fine to say that he plays for the Leafs. Plus he gets five and a quarter million dollars for the next two years. So I think that probably softens the blow. But at the same time, I'm sure he would love to be part of uh, what's happening now and whatever role that would be. I wonder if he's like still in game shape or if he's just kind of let himself go and just having a good time just following the f- $5 million a year yeah that's what I would do just whoop it up or have a few savvy investments but otherwise just live in Muskoka and drink your face off and eat all kinds of hot dogs <laughs> probably what he's doing poor little Phil Kessel will never get away from those hot dog jokes no but Stanley Cup champion Phil Kessel Yep, that he and he he true to his word, brought the cup back to Toronto like he promised he would when he signed with the Leafs or when he when he came to Toronto. He said, "I will bring a cup to Toronto," and he did with his Pittsburgh jersey. Yeah, well, you gotta we gotta respect him. Also, somewhat of an FU for some of the well, I Toronto hope, media that gave him a hard time. Yeah, he and, but he earned the right to do that. He. uh... I, uh, I still like Phil Kessel. I don't care what you guys say. I think he's a riot, and uh, I think he worked hard. He just... Yeah, just, I have nothing against him. I think he... he I, I think they had to move him. Yep. To move forward with the rebuild. Yep, definitely. Some, some people would say, oh, they didn't get much for him, but they got cast base in it. Who knows what Kapanen will be? Kapanen, I think, has 43 points. 43 Yeah, he hasn't looked too out of place in the games that he's played with the big club, and from everything I've seen and heard, he does have pretty good speed. And he'll, he'll make the team next year. They, he, should have, he probably could have been there this year, but he was injured, and just, there wasn't enough space for him, I don't think. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the problems that we didn't talk about is Going forward, how do you have enough room for all these young superstars to get their minutes? But that's yeah, the, that's I the mean, way the game goes, I guess. And there's Connor Brown, who we didn't really talk about, but any other year when, like, if you were a rookie two or three years ago when they didn't have Carter, Matthews, and Nylander, we'd be, Leafs Nation would be, like, yeah. going out of their minds like they were with Luke Shen. Thinking he's the next big thing. Our Luke and Savior, Luke Shen, who I wanted them to re-sign in the in the off season. I thought he would be an awesome five or six defenseman, bring some physical play, and they could got him for quite cheap. Which he did go for quite cheap, but I guess yeah, he, he wasn't the he's style. Bit, uh, he's getting long in the tooth. Fleet of foot. Yeah, that also does not mesh well with their current style, but. I guess no. since we've we've reached our time limit here, Admiral, I I will I have a, a final story um, based on someone that you met about a month ago. 
in the right. in the first episode when they were still having coaching woes and we were concerned about Carlisle and uh, what's the other guy Peter Horacek I remembered his name this time um, your comment and you can go back and listen to episode twenty one you wanted them to bring in torts and both both of us agreed that they they needed better coaching. I didn't necessarily think Torts would be the right guy, and you also relented that he might burn up in the Toronto media. But um, should point out that Admiral Bonesaw, among others, got to meet Torts in person, or at least see him within twenty feet away. Did you get to meet him? I didn't see you in the picture. No, I took the picture. Oh, okay, that's why. So yeah. So he's done a hell of a job with the Blue Jackets. Yeah. No one thought he would. Everybody thought it would be terrible this year after the previous year and then just how the Americans did at the World Cup with yeah. him coaching. Everyone just assumed they were going to be brutal, but me, me included, I actually thought the Blue Jackets were going to be terrible this year. But. Yeah, I thought they would be last place down with Phoenix going into the season, but old Torts has got a trick or two up his sleeve. Torts isn't finished just yet. Yep, don't count him out yet. He's stopped cursing and that gave him new life <laughs> alright Admiral I think we uh, I think we covered off some good stuff probably not as in depth as uh, some of our fans like the Booge would have liked because we know how much he loves the Leafs but I think we'll call it a call it a day and leave it at that so thanks again for joining me Admiral Bonesaw and we'll we'll, uh, we'll see everyone on the next conversation with Cheese in the Tugboat